I'm Cheyenne. I'm Ella. And I'm Athalia. And, and this, this is Beyond the Obvious. Welcome to Self-Care Summer. As the temperature rises, the heat is on to look your best. A lot of people have questions about the best way to prepare their skin, nails, and hair to look their best. Our guests today are state-certified esthetician Angelica Wyndham and cosmetologist Amy Shad. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having us. <laughs> Thank you very much. Our first segment today is Getting Certified. What started your journey in beauty? For me, I went to college for accounting and wasn't very much fun. And I wanted to do something that was more enjoyable during the day and less stressful. And I got to be around people and make them feel really good about themselves. Angelica? So I started with my love of skincare uh, after I graduated from MSU. I have a degree in biochemistry, so my interest is purely on sunscreens, uh, the chemicals that are in the sunscreen, sunscreens around the world, and what is best sunscreen for every skin type. Um, so after being a stay-at-home mom for 15 years, after I graduated from MSU, I went back to school uh, with the encouragement of Amy Shad, my business partner. Uh, after graduating, I love seeing every type of skin, and I think that's what continued my passion with skincare. And then what's kind of the time frame for getting certified to do these things? I know that you have to go through like a lot of testing to be able to do your procedures safely. What's that time frame look like? So in every state, it's different. Uh, in Montana, when I went to school, uh, cosmetology license was 2,000 hours, and now in the state, it's significantly less. As an esthetician, you only have 800 hours of school, which took me about a year. Um, one of the major things that you learn in esthetician school, is like Amy said, is how to stay super clean. Uh, in sterile and environment. Amy deals a lot with hair, but she also deals with skincare. And I deal a lot with uh, exfoliation of the skin. And as a result, I have to be super, super sterile in my environment. So how rigorous was the testing? It's not horrible because you spend the entire time going to school. Everything leads up to the testing. But it was a really long, stressful day. <laughs> It's true. After going through school, you will know what will be on the test, but there's still a level of fear because there's uh, state administrators staring at your pretend work that you're doing in front of them. And I think both of us had written tests and practical tests, and that's what I was talking about, the practical test, uh, having them looking at us and making sure that all of our procedures were exactly as how the state requires them to be. Nice. And so what exactly does your degree allow you to do? What can you do? What can can't you do as an esthetician and a cosmetologist? As an esthetician, I am below what a dermatologist or what a PA would do, meaning while I do the same work that a PA in a dermatologist's office would be able to do, like an acid peel or a microdermabrasion, there's only so many levels of the skin that I can touch. So if somebody from the state was going to come to my place and they saw me with a needle, that'd be a huge no-no. I don't have a medical license to break the skin. So I only deal with maybe the first five levels of the skin. 
beyond that, I'm not allowed to do that. So a dermatologist might have like a super high percentage of an acid peel, and I would have a very low percentage of an acid peel. So it might take a few more steps to get to the person for what level of skin they wanted to after a certain procedure, while dermatologists, you might leave with your whole face burned off because they do have, <laughs> uh, they are able to break that barrier with the skin. So you will get results faster um, with a medical degree. Well, a statistician is a little bit more slow and progressive to get you there. And some people like that because they don't want to be in a recovery room for two weeks because they are scaring children at the grocery store. <laughs> uh, while with an esthetician, you're uh, slowly able to get them to what they want for the glow that they want without having that recovery period. My license is different. It includes everything with the hair on your head and also kind of on your body. Um, so I can do what an esthetician does as well, and then I can do what a nail tech does. I can't do what a massage therapist does though, so I'm only licensed head, shoulders, arms, hands, and feet to the knees, so not the middle of you. Yeah, no foot massages no, from I, well, I, can, I can do foot massage. I can't do back massages. Yeah, you can do like, the metal of you because you are certified for Brazilians as well. Well, yeah, so I just can't like, massage butt cheeks or okay. something. <laughs> and we digress. Next question. <laughs> We are now entering the second segment involving hair and nails with Amy Schott. So first question, as summer approaches, what is the most damaging thing you can do to your hair in the summer? What should we be looking out for the most? Uh, so there's two main things. And where we live, um, one of the biggest things just in general all year long is what's in your water and um, your hair and your skin are both acids. So whenever you get your hair wet, you are manipulating that pH of your hair. And over time, it can do some damage if it's too alkaline, which is how our water is. There's also minerals in our water where we have a very high mineral content. Um, and each one of those minerals does different things to your hair when it sits on your hair and it stays on your hair. Um, it can cause dry, brittle hair, frizziness, kind of all those things that everybody doesn't want with their hair comes from mineral buildup on your hair. So if you can get that off um, or prevent that from happening in the first place, that's a really good place to start. But summer specific, they make products that are like sunscreen for your hair. And um, some products are full spectrum. They protect from UVA, UVB, UVC, protect, like protect your hair from all those spectrums from the sun. What that does is it helps to protect from color fading. Uh, some of the dryness, the brittleness too, frizziness. Uh, the sun is just like a flat iron. It's not the same and not as intense, but over time you can get heat damage if you're sitting out sunbathing or any of that kind of stuff. Uh, so su summer specific, you should be using products that are have thermal protectant and uh, sun protections, just like your skin. You need to protect it from those sun's rays. What does hair damage look like from the sun specifically? It can look like a few things. Um, you can get uh, split ends, dry ends. If you're coloring your hair a lot, especially Athalia. <laughs> um, Athalia, no water, no sun. Just to give you a visual, I have uh, really bright blue hair. <laughs> <laughs> it's very peacock. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, no water, no sun. The sun damage, it's, it's just going to, like I said, it's similar to using heat styling tools. You want to protect those ends. Uh, you're already potentially breaking some chemical bonds within your hair when you're coloring it, and it's just going to continue to weaken those bonds. Every time your hair gets hot or wet, you're breaking salt bonds in your hair. Uh, the way those bonds are repaired is through cooling and drying, 
And if you aren't adequately doing that and protecting your hair while you're doing that, it's just going to weaken your hair over time. How can you protect your hair from chlorine, especially when you have bleached hair? Most people know will turn your hair green and not a pretty green like Athalia. So there's a lot of things you can do if you're going in a chlorine pool. The people who are running those pools don't love it, but you could mask your hair before swimming. Um, you could just not get it wet, which is what I would do. <laughs> um, but you could mask it and wear a swim cap. You could also make sure you're using clarifying shampoos and chelating shampoos to really make sure you're removing that mineral buildup. But I'm not a really big proponent of washing your hair often. And so I don't love the idea of people swimming a lot and having to wash that stuff out of their hair a lot, but those would be the ways to prevent that from happening. And you may have to go in and do a deeper treatment at the end of the summer if you have too much buildup on your hair. Yeah, kind of to shift just a little bit, um, we also want to talk about your expertise with nails being a certified nail tech. Uh, so a lot of people are really active in the summer. How do you recommend you protect acrylics specifically? Um, so I guess it depends um, if you have really long acrylics. Uh, I mean, a lot of people who have really long stiletto acrylics are pretty comfortable using them. But if you're gardening and rafting and doing things like that, maybe wearing gloves or even opting for a shorter nail style for the summer would be the best way. Uh, you can do a lot of damage if you rip one of those off. And some of that damage can't be repaired because it's a trauma to the, the nail bed. And so just maybe opting for a shorter style or protective wear while you're doing those outdoor activities. And how might you prevent cuticle damage? So the cuticle damage um, is going to, or like preventing that cuticle damage is going to fall, um, even though it's a nail tech's job or cosmetologist's job um, to kind of maintain that, it's really similar to a lot of the stuff that Angelica is going to talk about with skincare. Make sure you're using really, really good cuticle oil. Make sure you're moisturizing those. Um, if you have cuticles that are really long, you can trim them. And after you shower, your skin is kind of softened. You can push them back with a towel so that they're not growing over your nails. Just kind of maintaining them, moisturizers, cuticle oil, and then um, opting for really good sunscreen on your hands. And you want them on your hands because your hands will show signs of aging just like your face. And it's also something that people notice. You may take really great care of your face, but um, if you're not taking care of your hands, your hands will show your age too. So just make sure you're moisturizing them and just keeping them pushed back and, and protecting them from the sun. To our third and final segment, skin care with Angelica Wyndham. Okay, so what causes the most danger to your skin during the summertime? Same thing that causes danger in wintertime, uh, the sun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's funny that most people are so worried about the summer with their skincare getting damaged when they spend a lot of time outside snowshoeing or skiing in the snow because the snow is just a very, very reflective from the ground up. So even though the UV index might be very low, the UV index doesn't record the sun getting back to your skin from the ground up. So what is SPF? Like, what does it stand for? What does it mean when you have like high SPF ratings? 
SPF is for sun protection factor. One of the main things that I want people to remember about SPF is that they believe that if you have an SPF of 15, you will go outside and have 15 minutes of protection from the sun. And SPF is not related to time. SPF is related to the amount of sun that you have during that day. So you can go outside at eight in the morning and spend two hours in the sun and be completely fine. But you may go for 15 minutes at one in the afternoon when the sun is the highest and be completely roasted. So don't look at your SPF 50 like I have an hour in the sun without burning because that is not true. The most thing that I want you to remember, one, always wear your SPF. Two, 50 or more because more people don't tend to wear that much sunscreen. And then three, if you're going to be in the sun, please protect yourself after 11 in the morning. Before that and after 4 p.m., go enjoy the sun and be great. But still wear your sunscreen. And then sometimes when you buy a bottle of sunscreen, it'll be like 75 SPF and sometimes it'll be like 50 plus plus plus. What's the difference between those two labels? So the 50 or the PA plus plus plus, the PA plus 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 is the rating system that we don't have here in the States. It's a rating system that is around the world. Depending on how many pluses there are, it means how strong that sunscreen is against UVA and UVB rays. So we at A squared tend to have the PA of four pluses, plus, 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 because it means it has the best ingredients for the longest time for your SPF rating. So then what is the difference between spray sunscreen and lotion sunscreen? The only difference are the ingredients that are gonna be to make it sprayable. So sunscreen-wise, the same ingredients that are gonna protect you with the sun. The spray sunscreen are gonna have very flammable ingredients because it has to be in a spray form. As a result, if it's windy out or and you're in a space where it's not very still, a lot of those flammable ingredients are gonna be inhaled. So I tend not to recommend. So how does your makeup affect sunscreen? A lot of people put on their sunscreen first and then their makeup, or they put on their makeup and then they put on a spray sunscreen. How can your makeup kind of mess with the and UVB protection. A lot of the ingredients or a lot of people tend to wear mineral makeup because yes, it is, tends to be a lot healthier than the other makeup. But mineral makeup has some ingredients that will make your sunscreen inactive. So people tend to put uh, a lot of the time chemical sunscreen and then put their makeup on second. Well, the chemical and their mineral makeup don't mix. So you're canceling the other. Physical makeup tends to be a lot better with mineral makeup because they tend to have the same ingredients. I like some uh, spray settings that have sunscreen ingredients in it, but overall I would encourage people to get combination uh, sunscreen, meaning that is both physical and chemical. So no matter what type of makeup you wear, it's not going to be inert. So a lot of people like the golden glow that comes with the sun, uh, but what does tanning actually mean for your skin? Tanning is actually an inflammation. It might just look more beautiful than somebody who burnt and is red lobster in the skin, <laughs> uh, but they're both inflammations. While somebody with darker skin tone might tan, that's still an inflammation from their cells, from their melanin, trying to protect themselves against the sun. Somebody who is light skin will turn red in that's still, once again, a protection to the sun. Even though you might have that glow, while somebody who's lighter skin might have more consequence of developing skin cancer faster, somebody who's a little bit darker skin is going to have something like melasma or patches in their skin that is going to show how much time they spent on. And then is fake tanning better? Yes. I encourage people to be fake tan. And what I mean by fake tan, I mean spray tan, not under a UV light um, bed. 
tan. Uh, it is a healthy way of encouraging your cells to develop that melanin without the damaging effects of the sun rays. So then how do you feel about low SPF suntan lotion? So that to me feels like uh, in my brain does not compute. I don't understand the SPF and the tan lotion. It just, it does not, the two do not go together. To me, that just sounds like you're putting something to fry faster in the sun. Even though it might have SPF, it's still not going to protect you because the tan oils are just going to accelerate the absorption of that sun or UV light on a tanning bed. So this, I guess I do not like it. I feel I feel like it does not work together. <laughs> it's an oxymoron <laughs> in my head. Sun damage can uh, create premature aging in places like the face and your hands, which we've talked about a lot through this segment. What are some ways to prevent that? Is it just sunscreen, basically? It's uh, sunscreen. I mean, I'm not... I always feel like people, when they hear me about aging and sunscreen, it means like no sunshine, no smiles, and live in a dark cave. Um, and I don't mean that at all. What I mean is enjoy the sun when it's not at the highest. Uh, people can be informed. There's something called the UV index. You can go, just like you check the weather, you can check the UV index on the webs. And just go outside and enjoy the sun when it's not at the highest. And even then, wear sunscreen. Something that I tell people quite a bit is exfoliation is great, but do not over exfoliate. Um, that's one of the things that as an esthetician, we know how much you need and how often. Uh, and the other thing is that the serums and the stuff that you put on your face are great against the anti-aging. I mean, the serums that are antioxidants, the sun creates free radicals. Free radicals are like the bad people underneath your skin that are just wrecking habit on your collagen. Antioxidants will go around and kind of be like the police force to get rid of those bad people and let the collagen thrive. Also a great believer of preventative like Botox at a certain age, you know, you start being in your 40s. Um, you're starting to see some wrinkles there. You know, I believe Botox will help you to train your muscles not to continue that same pattern and get that same line. Um, but in but I mean, a preventative is like past your 30s, getting close to your 40s, like not your teen or 20s. And also something like uh, microneedling. You are creating an injury to your skin, but it's a controlled injury in a sterile environment. And by doing that, the collagen underneath your skin is going to regenerate and be stronger and help you keep that youthful look. So shifting um, with the topic of facial care more specifically, is the question of how should we deal with acne? I think the number one thing to look at is why are you having acne? Is this hormonal? So if it is hormonal, by the time you see the acne, it's too late. You need to start working on it 24 days before it's going to appear. So just if you're noticing a pattern that every 24 days you're going to see the acne, it's hormonal. Did you perhaps have a pizza party? Then you're going to know that dairy is the consequence of those actions. Uh, another thing that could create it is non-comedogenic products, meaning that they're clogging your pores. Did you start a new skincare routine? Did you put a new makeup product on that your face is telling you now? One of the things as an esthetician or as a dermatologist said they can help you figure that out. A lot of people already recognize, you know what, I had a lot of um, ice cream over the summer and in the fall I'm breaking out. So that would be a combination of both your hormones and your food intolerance telling your face to something is going on. Basically, once an esthetician tells you, well, this is what's happening, here are the products. If those products are not helping, then there's a definite route that you can take with the dermatologist, which is a little bit more advanced with antibiotics or prescription medicine. Alrighty, and then what products do you recommend for this summer? Sunscreen, 
<laughs> uh, any type of sunscreen. Um, and then I would encourage you to not only look at your drugstore for sunscreen, there's some beautiful sunscreens around the world. Uh, some of them feel just like serum and like water to your skin. They're not heavy. They're not greasy. Australia, Korea, and Japan have some of the most amazing sunscreens. Uh, it just depends on your skin type and just along with that, um, antioxidants, which could be in your serum, which could also be in the food, the blueberries, anything colorful that you will eat will help you with your skin regeneration for the summer. Awesome. I think that's it. Thank you so much for joining us today for our podcast. Big round of applause for Amy Shad and Helga. <laughs> Um, if you are interested in their services, you can find them at A Squared Salon in the Lincoln School. But well, that's it for us today. So I'm Cheyenne. I'm Ella. And I'm Athalia. And, and this, this has been Beyond the Obvious. Beyond the obvious.